Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome to The Inner Life here on this Wednesday of the 29th week in Ordinary Time. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and uh, glad to have you here for this hour of spiritual direction. Every day uh, this hour, we look at how we can grow closer to Christ, to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how we can also love our neighbor as ourself, those two greatest commandments that Jesus gives us. And we do that with the help of different spiritual directors that join us on the program. And today, as we start the program, uh, how are you at trivia? Random facts, random knowledge. If you're like me, it probably depends on the subject. But I thought today maybe we could go through a little bit of trivia to start us on our hour here. And in fact, uh, Nick, I'm going to invite Father Ilo uh, on early. Father Joseph Ilo is our spiritual director for the hour. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. And Father, I know I'm putting you completely on the spot. Are you up for a little bit of trivia here as we uh, begin the hour today? Begin the hour today. Well, Josh, I'll do my best. I'm usually not too good at trivia, but you can give me what you got. All right. Well, we'll see. Some of these I, I think are pretty easy. Some of them are uh, maybe a little more difficult. But uh, all right. First question for you. What animal is seen on the logo for both the Porsche and the Ferrari? Ferrari. A lion? Nope. Good guess, but it's actually a horse. A horse is on both of those logos. So we'll give you another chance here. Uh, Question number two. What's the largest island in the world? Uh, Let's see. Greenland, maybe? Yep. Greenland. There you go. All right. So you're one and one. 50% 50% here. Um, this one, I would not have known this. Uh, this is how many countries are members in the United Nations? Hmm, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> let's say 193. Oh, that's really good. Are you looking these up as we're going, Father? Or was that a, an honest guess? I, kn- I knew gr- I knew Greenland, but I okay. just looked up at this uh, one on my computer. So, <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Um, who was the first woman to win a Nobel Prize? I'll even give you another hint. This was 1903. This was 1903. Um, Marie Curie, maybe? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, Marie Curie. Exactly right. Marie Curie. She was the uh, not only the first woman to win the Nobel Prize, she was also the first person to then be awarded the Nobel Prize twice. 
and she's the only person to win the Nobel Prize in two different scientific fields. I think there's only one other person who's won, but they won once in a scientific field and then uh, the Nobel Peace Prize. So only one other person who's won twice. But Marie Curie, first woman, first person to win twice. So that's, that's a good one. And kind of following along the lines of women who were first, this one... I would imagine you know, this one I I did know, who was the first woman to be featured on a circulating U.S. coin? Mm, Susan B. Anthony, maybe? That's right, that's right. Susan B. Anthony, widely known for the pivotal role that she played in the women's suffrage movement. She was recognized on a dollar coin first issued by the U.S. Mint in 1979. All right, so then let's talk about general statistics here in the U.S., Father. How many babies think were born in the U.S. last year? And it doesn't have to be to the exact number. We'll just go in round numbers. Mm. Mm. Let's see. What do we got about how many people do we have in this country? Or Something like... Mm. Three million, three and a half million, maybe? Yeah, not bad. 3.6 million. 3.6 million babies born. And that's according to the U.S. National Center for Health Statistics reporting on births in 2020. Now, on the other side of that, uh, any idea on the number of deaths that occurred in the U.S. last year? And this I'm taking from the CDC's website. Hmm. I would think there's more deaths because we're being, you know, populated by immigration largely. So let's call it 5 million deaths. No, actually, uh, uh, it's nice to know that there actually are still more babies being born than deaths. At least, again, this is according to the CDC's website, 3.3 million deaths in 2020. That's actually up by almost 18% from the prior year with COVID playing a fairly significant role in that rise of number of deaths. But there's a reason that I'm asking all of these different trivia questions. And there's a reason that this last one is number of deaths in the U.S. because that number, it quite honestly isn't complete. So I'm going to get on a soapbox here for just a moment and ask, what do you think is the leading cause of death in the U.S.? And if you look at the CDC's website, you'll see in the U.S., heart disease is in the top spot. After that, number two is cancer, then it's accidents related to injuries. And it's a little different if you look worldwide. If you look at the entire globe, the World Health Organization, it still has heart disease as the leading cause of death in the world. But then after that, the leading causes of death are stroke, then pulmonary disease, then lower respiratory infections. But neither of those websites will include the true number one cause of death. And that's in the U.S. as well as in the world. Throughout the entire world this year, there have been a little over 6.5 million deaths due to cancer. That's the current number. And by the time this year is over, at the end of 2021, there will be somewhere around 8 million deaths worldwide due to heart disease. But those numbers are dwarfed by the true leading cause of death in the world. And you're not going to hear this on any of the major networks or any of the cable news networks. They're not going to report the truth about the leading cause of death throughout the world. And you might have already guessed what that is. It's abortion. So far this year, 
there have been over 34 million unborn children that have been killed. 34 million. Think about that. Again, I said 6.5 million that have died this year to cancer. There will be about 8 million that will have died due to heart disease. Combine those, that's between 14 to 15 million. That's still less than half of the children that have been killed due to abortion already this year. And that number will go up. 34 million is as of this morning. That number is staggering. October, it's Respect Life Month. And today on The Inner Life, we want to talk about how we can not only respect life, not only how we can defend it, but we can uphold its dignity in all of its stages. And that's why Father Joseph Ilo is here with us again. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. He's pastor at Star of the Sea Parish there in San Francisco. And uh, Father, I'm so glad to have you on as we talk about what uh, I, I think is the most important issue of our time. Uh, you know, it's something that a lot of times people will talk about it and say, well, this is a political issue. Uh, as with most political issues, this is a moral issue that is being debated in the political arena. And it's something that goes far beyond mere politics. And so uh, it's of supreme importance that we talk about it. Uh, The Catholic Church, maybe more than any other organization on the planet, it speaks really boldly about the rights and the dignity of every human individual. And maybe that's where we can start our conversation today is why does the Catholic Church take that stance? Why is the Church so adamant about human dignity and protecting life at all stages? Hmm. Well, first I want to say that many people have had abortions, maybe that are listening to this broadcast, or have been involved in someone in abortion, and to assure everyone that God's grace is infinite, Abortion is a terrible sin and a terrible crime, but some people get pushed into it without much choice. Right, right. And as we heard in the gospel yesterday, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Grace overfloods any kind of sin. So we have to know that where there's a terrible problem, there's a greater solution, which is God's grace. So now why is the church insistent on the dignity of every human life? And as you said, the leading cause of death is abortion in the world, but you'll never hear that because the mainstream culture doesn't consider a fetus, a human fetus, or even a human embryo, a a person. I, I like that line from Horton, here's a who, one of my favorite cartoon movies, a person's a person no matter how small, the person is a person from from conception. And so every human life from conception to natural death is an image of God created and redeemed by God. And it's that sense of human rights that the Catholic Church, that Christianity has endowed the world with. Before Christianity, there was not a sense of the human person even philosophically, and there wasn't a sense of individual human rights. Not It wasn't present in the Roman Empire until it became Christianized. And it's we're losing that in the, in the world now because we're losing our sense of the gospel of Christ. So individual human rights all depend on God. Without 
a belief in God. There's no such thing as individual human rights. So we have to work for that. We have to work as much as we can to defend the life of every human being from conception to natural death. It's you know, a human I, rights issue. It's it's a you said it's a it's a political issue, it's a moral issue. Abortion is a political issue in the same way that slavery is a political issue. Right. That is it, yeah. of course politics has to work to solve the problem, but essentially it's a human rights issue. It's not a religious it is a religious issue, but only because it's a human rights issue, it's a civil rights issue, it's a civil rights issue of our time. Well, and I'm so glad that you also made mention of the fact that anybody who is listening who has had an abortion, been involved in procuring an abortion, that God's grace, God's mercy, God's love is bigger than that sin. And, you know, I, I'd, like, I'd like to talk more about that aspect there, too, because this is a, a program about spiritual direction. And so there's kind of two sides of this. There's the side of us being actively involved in defending and protecting human life, as you talk about this human rights, this social issue that we're dealing with here. There's also the side of, if you have had an abortion, how, how do you heal from that once you realize the truth of what has occurred, of what you've participated in there? Um, one thing before maybe we get to those two sides of this, I think it might be important to address one other thing at the outset of the program here. We're two men that are talking about abortion, talking about this issue. And there's this somewhat prevailing sentiment out in the public debate that men should have no voice, no opinion when it comes to abortion. We're not women. We're not the ones dealing with being pregnant. It's not our bodies. Therefore, anything that we might have to say is absolutely irrelevant. First of all, this is a logical fallacy, because if something is evil, I don't have to be either the victim or the perpetrator. I don't have to be actively involved to be able to speak up and have a voice to proclaim the truth about something and saying this is indeed a grave evil, this is something sinful. Uh, maybe you can speak to that for a moment, Father. I think you're right that we have to approach this with logic because the the question of gender, of, sex, of whether I'm a male or a female, doesn't impact the human rights issue. For example, if another human rights issue might be racism or slavery, I may have nothing to do with it. I mean, I may not be a persecuted or, or uh, oppressed class. I may not have anything, have ever had slaves or have anything, you know, I may be in the, in the North uh, during the Civil War with no, no relation to slavery. And yet I have a voice because other human beings are suffering. So whether a man or a woman doesn't, devolve on the question of whether this innocent third party, the unborn child, has a right to live. Now, it's also true that fathers do have, men do have, a, a part to play in the conception and rearing of children. Yes. We have to be yes. profoundly respectful and reverential toward the women who do most of the work. And the new life is conceived within their bodies. That's why the Woman is sacred in a way that men aren't. 
that that's why women uh, are respected in civilized cultures, given deference, given support above what is given to men, because they bear life in their wombs. But the man's job is also to protect, to provide, and to, to defend that life. So yes, we have a, men have a great role to play, and it's because we're not playing that role that we've fallen into this difficulty that we're in of, of not respecting the children that we beget in culture. Well, Father, so if somebody is listening and they've had an abortion, what advice would you give to them to be able to move past the guilt and the hurt of knowing what they've done? Uh, bringing that confession, of course, is the first key. But after that, many people will find it hard to forgive themselves, even if God has forgiven them. Uh, what would you What would you say to that person who says, "Yeah, I've uh, I've brought this to confession. I'm I'm still dealing with the guilt after this." Hmm. Almost every priest has worked with uh, one or more women who have been through abortion, and also men, but mostly it's it's much more impactful on women, of course. And they come to us in the confessional or in counseling or even just talking sometimes after mass quietly. And the woman never completely gets over it and neither does the man. But it's, as I say, much more, uh, uh, much more difficult for the woman. And that's the first step, I think, is to realize this is a cross I will bear with me for the rest of my life. It's like any other difficulty people fall into. If you've committed a crime or you've committed a great sin, you can't reverse that. If you've said something you'd like to take back, you can't take it back. But what you can do is seek God's mercy and help others be in solidarity with those who have similarly suffered or caused suffering through their sins or other sins. And so the first thing is, the sacrament of penance, the sacrament of confession, and then praying for the child that whose life you did away with, asking that child to pray for you, because those children pray for their mothers and their fathers in a way that on earth we cannot do. They're closer to God than we are. There, there are programs, for example, Project Rachel, I help out with a Project Rachel retreat every year, hearing confessions and providing support for that. So that's a program for it's a, it's a retreat, a, a weekend experience for women who have had abortions. But in the daily life of the parish, the best thing is to avoid isolation and withdrawal by being an active member of a community by having good friends, by worshiping together, working together. Many women who have had abortions have found relief in working in pro-life apostolates or in other apostolates serving the poor. For example, in my parish, we have we feed the poor. Every Sunday at 2.30, we go down to the kind of the, the ghetto area in San Francisco, the homeless areas downtown, and we, we bring clothing and food and just a, a warmth and a smile. And that's helped a lot of people get past 
what's get past their past. So there are many ways, uh, the sacramental life of the church and, and the charitable service that we offer to others are two very healing ways to get over it. Our spiritual director today on The Inner Life, Father Joseph Ilo, a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. And today, Respect Life Month is the month of October, and we're talking about how we can, in our own lives, promote that culture of life. And how have you been able to do that? How have you been able to help support those people uh, who might be looking at getting an abortion? Maybe you've had a conversation with somebody, and what's, what's allowed you to bring in into that conversation that question of life and maybe get them thinking about how it's more than just a clump of cells or more than just a, a, an embryo or a fetus, something that you don't recognize as a human life. Maybe you have had an abortion, and how have you been able to move forward, experience some of the healing, experience God's mercy and forgiveness? And maybe you can offer that encouragement to somebody else out there listening. We'd love to invite you into the conversation. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, and our email address, at relevantradio.com. And we'll continue talking about how we can be a pro-life people, support that culture of life, coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life today. I'm Josh Raymond and our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo, a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. And today, talking about how we can actively promote that culture of life. And how, how do you do that in your own community, in your sphere of influence? And maybe you've found something that's helpful in conversations with people when you're speaking with somebody who thinks that abortion is okay or that it should be illegal? How have you been able to have a productive discussion and help them understand the truth about what abortion really is? And maybe you've had an abortion and you've been able to experience some of that healing, God's mercy, God's forgiveness, and you'd like to encourage other people who might be dealing with that guilt and that hurt of having had an abortion, and encourage them. And we'd love to welcome you into the program, our studio line, 888-914-9149, And Father, before the break, we were talking about uh, somebody who has had an abortion and some of the resources out there that they can avail themselves to to be able to move past that, experience some of that healing. Um you know, the other thing is, too, I guess here, we, we were talking about this being a human rights issue, a social issue, um, that the Catholic Church gets involved because it is a human rights issue. Uh, because of that, 
Is there any excuse for somebody not, at least in some degree, to be involved in the pro-life movement? All of us have to defend and promote respect for every human life. If we are Christians, they will know we are Christians by our love, and it's a simple act of love to protect and provide for the poor. There's no one poorer in our culture than an unborn child. And the women who get trapped in difficult pregnancies, perhaps, they are also poor and need our support. So there's much we can do to support the mothers. You support the mother, you support the child. So it's a package. The answer to your question, every one of us must be pro-life, from the president down to the little grandmother that comes to daily mass. How do we do that? Well, there are many ways, of course, but it all starts with prayer. So the greatest work we can do to defend human life is to go to Mass faithfully. The Mass in which we receive the bread of life, in which is celebrated one man's giving his life for another person's life. Jesus gives his life on the cross at every Mass for my life, your life. And so the best work we do is to offer the Holy Mass with the priest, to offer that Eucharist. There are other more kind of active ways beyond the interior life, but it starts there. And maybe we'll get into that in a minute, but... Well, uh, in that interior life, um, I, because when you have that interior life, I, I think it's just natural. You have to do something about that. You know, I mean, even even for somebody like... I think of a cloistered nun, a Saint Therese. You know, her prayers were for the world around her. And I know that's what so many other uh, cloistered nuns do right now. They just offer prayers to impact the culture for good. Um, Those of us who, the majority of us who are not cloistered, who are interacting with people day in and day out, um, you know, it's going to be there's there's really no alternative. We have to take what is happening inside us and bring that out to the world. I mean, that's our faith in general. You know, we, we can't hide the light under a bushel, as Christ explains to us. You know, you have to put the light on the lampstand for all to see it, for it to bring light into the room. Now, how that's accomplished in each of our lives, I think, then becomes kind of a question. There are some very public ways that people will demonstrate that they will support life. Uh, one of the popular ones of the last several years, the 40 Days for Life movement out there. Uh, other groups like this that will pray, that will stand outside of abortion clinics. You know, that that's, that's a very public way. If that's not an option for me, or I don't feel called to participate in something like that, what are some other options that you might recommend? That's a good question. It's I find it interesting. October is pro-life month. It begins on October 1st with the feast day of a contemplative cloistered nun, as you said, St. Therese. The 15th, the middle of the month, is another cloistered woman, St. Teresa of Avila. But it kind of wraps up with the most active 
public pro-life figure in our own time, which is John Paul II. We celebrate his feast on the 22nd on Friday. So we begin in prayer and in the interior life, but we, and, and some people are, they have the vocation to be uh, cloistered or contemplative, so that is their active life. But most of us are not. Most of us have to pray first, but then we move into activity. The Mass ends with those words in Latin, ite misa est, go, go forth. It is the mission. It, right. is the, it is the work now, time to get to work on the outside of this church. Well, how are some of the ways that can be done? The... Um, I mentioned Project Rachel, which doesn't affect a lot of people. I mean, we, we do, in a, for the Bay Area here in San Francisco, a Project Rachel will bring in only about uh, 15 or 20 women. There, are, However, there are, um, there's another program called the Gabriel Project. You put a big sign outside your church or your house that says, pregnant, don't know where to go, call this number, we'll provide baby clothes, um, you know, medical assistance, a way to have your baby and to support that baby. Also, um, we are we are opening a clinic here in San Francisco. There are many pregnancy help clinics in every city in America. I think this is the unsung story of for for 50 years, people have been putting lots of money and energy and professional time into providing clinics for women and children to do what Planned Parenthood says they do, which is to help women in difficult, and, and, and some women are served by Planned Parenthood in that way, but of course they're compromised by doing abortions. So what we need are clinics that serve the women without ending the life of their unborn children. So we are opening a Bella Clinic here in San Francisco. Our parish has been uh, very, the, um, the director is a parishioner here and been raising money and uh, doing volunteer work. So. That's a that's a big undertaking, of course, to f establish a clinic or to volunteer or support in, in monetarily one of the local pregnancy help centers or women's clinics. Yeah, well, in those pregnancy help centers, I'm so glad you brought that up because I think it's uh, it, it's a talking point that I hear quite commonly that if someone is pro-life. They only care about saving the baby once the baby's born. They don't care about helping the mother or her infant. And like you say, that's not true. But it does raise that valid point. Our work is not done after the birth of the child. If we truly believe that each human has dignity, has value, then we should be willing to step forward and offer that assistance uh, to the mother at all stages of life of the mother and the child and, uh, you know, helping those who are truly in need. And so those pregnancy help centers are, are, are a wonderful way to do that. Um, I'm familiar with the kind of clinic that you're talking about there too. Uh, if, if I don't have something like that in my area, any other options that you might recommend for me, if I don't have, a pregnancy help center or a pregnancy crisis center, or there's not some sort of medical clinic that's set up to help mothers in need? A lot of this is just one-on-one. -on -one. So all of us have family members that are, quote, pro-choice. Of course, that begs the question, which choice? Right. So right. <laughs> that are, that are uh, support abortion on demand. And for various reasons. Maybe one of our siblings has had an abortion, or 
um, or helped with an abortion, or maybe uh, my cousin works in a company that's basically requiring him to adopt a certain position, or whatever it might be, that everybody is, almost everybody in this country is propagandized for the abortion question from kindergarten in the public school system and other schools. So, so that's just a reality. And I think being able to articulate um, the, the pro-life gospel, the scientific reasons why we cherish every human life, even in difficult circumstances. So that's where the rubber hits the road. That's the bulk of, if I mean, that's 95% of the question right there. If everybody would, everybody that's pro-life would find ways to promote the gospel of life with the people we're closest to, our coworkers, our family members. So I think it's as simple as that. It's not, it's not easy. And in ways, it's not simple either. You to find a way to speak coherently or or effectively to people that have been convinced of of a lie that there is no that the, the baby in the womb is not human. So, you know, well, one thing that comes to mind, Father, is the fact that a lot of times there can, you know, these conversations can devolve into an argument and be more combative. And I think the people that you're talking about, you know, if there's a cousin or a relative or some, you know, close family member or the person themselves has had an abortion, and we don't want to say, you are a bad person because you've done this. Yes, you've done a thing that is wrong, but that doesn't mean that redemption isn't available, that you're not able to be able to move forward and be reconciled with Christ, with the Church, especially if there is the faith background there. Um, but a lot of people on both sides, they're going to be looking at it from their side with a compassionate stance. And if we become more argumentative and combative, even a bit militant in the way we're trying to present an argument, I think that's where we can get into trouble instead of having that charitable, loving attitude in the way that we talk with others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we all have different temperaments. Some of us right. are more, you know, irascible by nature or aggressive. Others are more passive. So we have to know ourselves, what our limits are. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was participating in what we call a life change. So we all stand out on a busy road in San Francisco with signs that say um, pro-life signs. And people are, most people are honking at us, giving us the middle finger. A man came up and started arguing with me that uh, the, the abortion is not killing, that the fetus is not human. And he said, give me one scientific reason. I said, well, embryology. And he said, no, embryology, I'm a, I have a PhD. Uh, and so I started to get angry and just throw things out back at him to react. And I realized, back off. You're beyond civil discourse here. So I think we need to know when it's time to retreat, strategic retreats from these arguments. Arguing, arguing does, you know, passionate argument doesn't really do anything. I mean, it does something. It, it makes the matter worse. So to know that and to learn from every 
encounter what to do the next time, or at least try to do the next time. I, I want to bring it back to prayer. I went to the Adoration Chapel after that encounter and just sat there for a while. And peace came back to me and a bit of wisdom. So I want to promote Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. It's that silence before mm. the bread of life. And here's a little ad for my own parish. If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, we have perpetual adoration. Sign up for an hour. That's one of the best pro-life works you can do. That's where you're going to get the courage, the peace, the wisdom to know how to promote the gospel of life. So Star of the Sea Parish in San Francisco has 24-7 adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Get on our website and sign up for an hour. Or sign up for an hour in a parish near you that has adoration. Because if you don't sign up, you're not going to do it very consistently. But make that one of your best works, to spend an hour before the Blessed Sacrament. Call your pro-life holy hour once a week and you will receive what you need to be a gospel, an apostle of life. Mm, the, I'm so glad you said that, Father. You know, in working with other people in promoting a culture of life, how have you seen that impact their faith? How have you, how have you seen in your parishioners when they actively step, step forward and love and care for the most vulnerable in our society, how has that led them to a deeper relationship with Christ? Well, first it's gratitude, because when you perceive, when you constantly advert to the beauty of God's image in every other human person, including the most virulent pro-abortion people, when you see that you become much more peaceful, grateful, you become a graceful person yourself. So the gospel of life is pure joy. And those who read it, live it, promote it, are joyful and peaceful people. It, be, it, it makes for a, a deeper community within any parish. It's like um, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. It's a surefire way to grow a parish. Well, the same thing with pro-life work because it, it binds the people together for a common cause, for one thing, but it binds them together in the gospel of life, which is pure joy. I've seen it happen in every parish I've been in, that, that uh, the pro-life movement in the parish is a dynamo for parish, uh, parish community. Our spiritual director today, Father Joseph Ilo, is we're talking about how we can promote a culture of life, how we can bring that into our world during this month of October, which is Respect Life Month, and how have you been able to promote a culture of life? And maybe, as Father was talking about, you've been able to start with prayer and have that peace and be able to bring that out into the conversations that you have with other people. Have you found some uh, some different tactics to be helpful in those conversations? How have you been able to have that productive conversation, that productive discussion, and bring forth the truth about abortion, about life? And maybe you yourself, you've had an abortion, and it's been a difficult journey, but you've been able to experience some of the healing, some of God's mercy and forgiveness that is available to each one of us, and you can offer that encouragement for somebody else who may be uh, just after having learned the truth of, of what they've done in having an abortion. 
having participated in that. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, And we'll talk more about this and take your phone calls after this on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. If you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. Call now, 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. Or email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo, priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, pastor at Star of the Sea Parish there in San Francisco. And this month of October is Respect Life Month, and we are talking about how we can defend, protect, and promote that culture of life in our immediate communities, in our culture at large, and inviting your phone calls at 888-914-9149, And uh, we're talking about October, but November, I also want to mention, is the month of the Holy Souls. And here at Relevant Radio, we're going to have a novena dedicated to the souls that have departed this life. And so that will start on November 2nd, All Souls Day, and continue the nine days through November 10th. And we'll pray that novena for anyone that you would like remembered during Mass daily here on Relevant Radio, as well as the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, and during the Family Rosary Across America each evening. And you can submit the names of anyone that you would like uh, prayed for, any of your deceased friends or family members, and you can do that at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. You'll see a banner for uh, all souls, uh, for praying for the holy souls, and you can just input any names that you want. There's no limit. You can add as many names as you would like there, and we will add them to the list of the souls that we're praying for. Again, relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app, and they'll be prayed for at noon central during Mass starting November 2nd, also during the Chaplet of Divine Mercy with Drew Mariani at 3 o'clock central in the afternoon, and then with Father Rocky on the Family Rosary Across America at 7 p.m. central. Um, And again, you can listen to all of those, of course, on our website, on your local Relevant Radio station, or on the Relevant Radio app. And uh, Father, as we continue our conversation here, um, as we're talking about uh, defending life, supporting a culture of life, being pro-life people. One of the things you mentioned earlier in our conversation was that you weekly, you and some of your parishioners will go out to the homeless, to those in need, and you'll greet them with a smile, you'll end up bringing them food or other things. And I think that is so important to highlight as well. And, you know, we kind of, you made mention of it and we moved on and we've been talking a lot about abortion. But when somebody helps in a food pantry or a soup kitchen, when somebody volunteers in a homeless shelter, volunteers for Meals on Wheels, or, you know, so many of those different kinds of opportunities where they're helping their fellow human, uh, this also is pro-life work, isn't it? It sure is. And and I think this uh, feeding of the homeless and clothing of the homeless that we do on Sunday afternoons, it grew naturally out of our pro-life advocacy. I didn't 
start it or suggest it. It was, it was a couple of women, and we have a big kitchen in an old convent that they started using. So I think naturally, if you try to live the gospel of life and you pray, that these other fruits will come. And the Catholic Church has developed the hospital healthcare system, the educational system, especially Catholic schools in this country were developed for poor kids that couldn't afford private schools. And um, all the other services to all ages of, of human persons that are flow out of the gospel of life. So if those kinds of fruits aren't happening in your in your life or your community, you have to take a look at that and say, well, uh, we're not just abortion advocates or advocates against abortion, but we are, um, we get real with our hand, hands-on service to the poor. Mother Teresa said, you have to touch the poor. And I tell you, when I go down with these wonderful women, and there's a few men too, uh, actually a few of the cook, the people that came to start cooking, helping and, and distributing the food and clothing were not Catholic, and now they're in the RCIA program. Mm. But yeah. uh, I, when I, I talk to those people on the street, and, and most of them are people of color, you know, Latinos or blacks, and they're so good. They're, they're just natural people. They, they don't have the pretenses that we have. They don't have the hang-ups, the stresses that we have. Now they have other stresses, of course, like where am I going to get my next meal? But yeah. um, they're so grateful, and you see the, the image of God shining through them. So I am blessed. I am enriched as much or more than I enrich. I mean, God's the source of all riches. But touching the poor one-on-one, not just political advocacy, advocacy, and not just praying in the chapel, but actually touching the poor in any way you can. Is there, if if I <laughs> am hesitant to get involved actively in whether it is something that is standing against abortion or if it's, you know, helping those, the poor in my community. Is there a prayer that you might recommend that somebody prays and ask God to just open them to how he wants them to be able to respond in this way? I think the best prayer, well, after the Mass, of course, after the Eucharist, right, right. is 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 reading scripture prayerfully because that's the gospel of life so to read the scriptures daily now that might be daily mass but i think also just having your bible get a bible that you that you love and that you trust and that you want to be with and spend five ten minutes a day reading a chapter of the bible that's one thing. The other thing is the rosary. It's the simplest. John Paul II called it my favorite prayer, marvelous in its simplicity and in its depth. The relevant radio, of course, does the rosary across America. 100,000 people join Father Rocky every evening. Uh, we do one in our parish. We live stream it. Like 25 people join us. So whether it's big or small, whether it's just praying on the way to work in your car or on the bus, Try to pray a rosary every day, and and that will. Our, our Lady is the Great Mother; she's with child, and so there's. I just don't think there's no better pro-life 
prayer than the Holy Rosary the itself. Rosary. That's great. Uh, Father, uh, really quickly, let's go to the phones. We don't have much time here, but Elaine is calling from New Jersey. Hi, Elaine. Welcome to the program today. Hi. Uh, Father just mentioned about the best uh, prayer is the Rosary. Uh, well, uh, how, how do you address uh, something that if, if uh, you were to uh, uh, propose uh, that all the uh, members of a rosary society uh, try to pray the rosary, especially on, uh, it was the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary uh, in October, which is the month of, uh, you know, the unborn child, uh, uh, for an end to abortion. And that's, uh, I, I'm, uh, I get the uh, uh, answer that, well, they'd have to run it past the pastor. I mean, uh, I, I. How do you address something like that, or, you know, what is your suggestion for something like that? Thanks, Elaine. Well, you don't have to run it by the pastor if you don't do it in the church. I mean, you can do it on a, as a Zoom group or a FaceTime, or you just get together in each other's houses if it, if you're within striking distance. Now, if you want to do it in the church, yes, you have to talk to the pastor, and many pastors would support that. For any number of reasons, maybe it could be problematic for the parish, but anybody can get together in a home or in a public place, you know, a, a, a center or a park or something and pray the rosary. And so don't let that stop you, Elaine. Elaine, thanks so much for calling in. And uh, Father, you know, one of the other things that I guess as we're getting close to the end of the hour here too, is we've talked a lot about early life protection. You know, one of the things that most recently I saw in the news, a woman in Great Britain who was wanting to end her life. This is another issue that comes up here. It's easy to be sympathetic to, you know, to somebody who has a terminal illness. But again, you know, this is one of those things that if somebody wants to learn more about uh, how the Catholic Church views life, and protecting life, not only at the beginning, but at all stages, even if, if it appears that life will end soon, that we don't want it to end prematurely. Is there any reading or any resources online that you might recommend? Or regarding euthanasia? Yeah, there's so there are some very powerful documents. I think the most important one is John Paul's encyclical, The Gospel of Life, which is a longer document, but it has sections on all the different life issues. So we've talked mostly about abortion, yeah. but there's a whole host of other issues. Uh, another one is the environment, and Pope Benedict has spoken about that. So. Right. We could do that in another show, couldn't we? I know. There's so much that we could cover here, Father. Well, thank you so much for being with us this hour. And uh, in our last 20 seconds here, could I ask you to offer all of our listeners a blessing? The blessing of God, the author and sustainer of all human life, and the preparer of our eternal life, bless all of you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Joseph Ilo, our spiritual director, he's the pastor of Star of the Sea Parish in San Francisco. And of course, if you missed any portion earlier in the broadcast, go check out the podcast that will be posted this afternoon at RelevantRadio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. And I hope you'll join us back here tomorrow on The Inner Life. And of course, stay tuned for Mass that's coming up next, followed by uh, The Faith Explained with Cale Clark. Have a great day.